Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about land of basketball, pro wrestling, UFC, and more. You are tuned in to the sports edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to talk with you after the show. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. The T Public Store, the blog section known as Parlay Points. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 411,000. Sounds about right to me. The classified section where you can find friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, and many more. The music section where you hear great bands that donate their music to all the 607 podcasts listed there. Everybody from Tom Jolu to Brian Wolf to Shout at the Robots and many more. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, it is playoff time. Yes. For your favorite sport, Pat. Uh, basketball is my favorite sport. Yes. It is the NBA playoff season. So now we know have, I, I would say like, I, I would say we know who's going to go there, but they throw that curveball in for the first two uh, rounds. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the curveball they've done the last couple of years, the play in tournament. Yes. That always throws me off. So that's why I say like, that's the first round and second round basically to get into the playoffs. Effectively. Yes. Yeah. It's not the whole first round, but that's just how it's broken down. It does give more incentive for teams to keep playing. It, it defers tanking for the most part, in my opinion, <laughs> in theory, ask the Dallas Mavericks about that. Yeah. That's a little bit of a messy situation. Pad, you got anything to elaborate on that with? Uh, hey, they fucked around and they found out. Yeah. Basically, the mix of Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic did not work out in their no. favor. No, it did not. Uh, we, As we're recording, we haven't heard about anybody asking to get out of Dallas. It's just a very weird dynamic that when Kyrie left Brooklyn and got mm-hmm. to Dallas... They were fifth seed in the West. And, fifth or fourth, something like that, yeah. And now they're outside looking in with yeah. one of the worst records. And Yeah. They, uh, I'll, I'll say with Luka Doncic situation, because there have been reports, and it's it's just reports. It's nothing confirmed. It's nothing official. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not you know the word of God. you know. But there are reports that the Dallas Mavericks are afraid that Luka could ask for a trade in the offseason. And all I will say to that is, Go back and watch his press conference after the game because I don't know about y'all, but I watched it and I'm like, ooh, that's a little tense. Well, I think that he is getting very frustrated in Dallas that yeah. he is now entering the prime of his career. Mm-hmm. And what does he have around him to make a deep run in the toughest division of the NBA, the Western Conference? Right. You know, that's, that's the statement that he has to think about. And for his future moving forward, if Dallas isn't going to facilitate a team around him, it doesn't hurt to inquire right. to see what you can get for him. Because, unfortunately, we have seen how this works with the demise of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And I want to say, unfortunately, because this has now set a precedent 
for superstars to get out of their current contracts with their current teams and go play somewhere else. It is a hefty price on the organization to move you, but in some cases, you're going to have to. And Lucas, I don't know, because the thing is with Mark Cuban, he's such a player's owner right? that it's tough to say that he wouldn't do whatever he wanted. Well, I think the thing of it is, is Dallas is obviously in a very tough situation because, you know, if you're not able to appease Luka and, and keep him there, the, the clock is effectively started on mm-hmm. whether he stays or not. You know, he could either stay and, and you know, you have a successful run and hopefully win a championship if you're Mark Cuban, or he's going to be out the door and it won't matter what amount of money you throw at him. He's not going to want to stay. Yeah. For, for as much money as Mark Cuban has and as savvy as their front office is supposed to be, they really haven't done much for him. And now, admittedly, there were some folks who thought the Kyrie thing might work. You know, it's a slightly smaller spotlight than in the bright lights of New York with the media and everything. Mm. But we knew it would be a small sample size because it was, what, like three weeks between the, the trade deadline or when he got traded to the end of the regular season? or More or, or less, yeah. Or something like that, you know. So it, it's a tough situation because obviously they would like to keep him, but you got to know at the same time, if you're not able to bring in some players there to help improve the team and put them over a hump, like you said, in a very competitive Western conference, it's not going to matter what money you throw at him. He's gone. Yeah. So that's going to be the offseason drama for the NBA, in my opinion. Hopefully that's the only drama. Hopefully, but it is the NBA. So <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be more headlines spinning out of it. And oh, a like lot it. of it is going to have to deal with the playoffs and how teams fare in it. Playoffs? Yes, because as we said we unofficially call it the first couple rounds because it is the play-in tournament. And then you get to the big dance when all eight seeds from the Eastern and Western Conference are right. going at right. to see who's going to go to the NBA Finals. So this season, I say there is so much drama in the West yeah. for a play-in. I can't remember there being this much since they've instituted the play-in tournament. Yeah, no, I can't either. To be honest with you. And it all really centers around one team that is imploding before our eyes, and that is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yikes. So when you're having a fight on your bench between your teammates, yeah, as did happen because one player mentioned something to Rudy Gobert that set him off that he took a swing and now is suspended for the play-in game. And also they sent him home in the middle of the game. Yes. That's how you know a team is imploded. Uh-huh. And you can't spin it otherwise. Not the best way to kick into the playoffs. No. But that game is definitely going to set a lot of uh, interesting movement forward. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, let's talk about it. Yeah, so the games start on Tuesday, April 11th of 2023, with the first matchup being the Atlanta Falcon, the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> taking on the Miami Heat at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Then you've got the Minnesota Timberwolves taking on the Los Angeles Lakers at 10 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Uh, the second day of matchups is on Wednesday, April 12th, 2023, where you've got the Chicago Bulls taking on the Toronto Raptors. 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. And then the late game is the Oklahoma City Thunder taking on the New Orleans Pelicans at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Should note, those later games, barring the first game going along. Yeah. Because you might tune your TV into 10 o'clock because, oh, I really want to watch the Lakers games. And if the the, the Hawks the Heat game ain't over yet, well, it's probably not going to start at 10 o'clock. 
Now, here's where things get confusing, folks, so I'm going to try and keep this as simple as possible. If I lose you, I apologize. It's as confusing for you as it is for us. Yes. So for the play-in tournament, you have the ninth-seeded Pelicans taking on the 10th-seeded Oklahoma City Thunder, as I mentioned. The winner of that series moves on in the play-in tournament. Loser goes home. Then you've got the seventh-seeded Lakers taking on the eighth-seeded Minnesota Timberwolves. The winner of that series moves on to face the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round of the NBA playoffs. The loser moves on to face the winner of the Pelicans' Oklahoma City Thunder series. The winner of that series goes on to face the Denver Nuggets in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Okay. Okay. So then you've got on the eastern side, the ninth-seeded Toronto Raptors taking on the 10th-seeded Chicago Bulls, as I mentioned. The winner of that series moves on to the next round of the play-in tournament. Loser goes home. Then you've got the seventh-seeded uh, Miami Heat taking on the eighth-seeded Atlanta Hawks, where the winner of that series moves on to face the Boston Celtics in the first round of the NBA playoffs. The loser moves on to the next round of the play-in tournament, and then whoever comes out from that next se- next series in the play-in tournament goes on to face the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the NBA playoffs. It's so confusing. It is. It is, and obviously when the smoke clears between the play and tourney, it'll be a lot easier to decide who's going where. I mean, you can make it infinitely easier if you get rid of that whole winner 9-10, loser 7-8. We'll get the number one seed in both conferences. Like, keep the four games. One one game goes on to face the number one seed in both conferences. The other game goes on to face the two seed in both conferences. Boom. Yeah. I make, mean, it, make it easy. It would make a lot more sense, to be honest with you. But that being said, we'll try breaking it down the best we can. So, Pat, let's start in the East. Sure. And let's start with Toronto versus Chicago. You got a feeling about this one? So, Toronto-Chicago should be a little interesting. Toronto finishing in, where the heck are they? There they are. They finished in the ninth seed, and then you got Chicago finishing in the tenth seed. Real close to each other. Uh, Toronto finished right at 500, 41 and 41. Chicago Bulls finished uh, just a tick under 500 at 40 and 42. Uh, I'm going to say Toronto, you know, I like their depth a little bit better than Chicago. They got Fred Van Vliet uh, at the point guard, uh, OG, uh, Ananobi at shooting guard, Scotty Barnes at, at the shooting forward, Pascal Sakayam at the power forward, and then Jacob Podol, uh, at the Paletti at the center. Meanwhile, you've got for Chicago, don't get me wrong, Chicago's good. And do, could I see them pulling this off? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody's got a shot. They got the defensive god in Patrick Beverly. <laughs> Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and then Nikola uh, Vucevic. You know, so I, th- I think Chicago will keep it close. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, it's going to be Toronto. I agree with it. Toronto's just too tough yeah. in, the, in this matchup alone. Yeah. I mean, Van Vliet's been there before. So that does help mm-hmm. tremendously. Yeah. And, you know, Anuabi is a very, very solid player. Right. And I just think it's going to be too much for the Bulls. The Bulls, on paper, they should be a lot better. Right. And for whatever reason, they just can't put it together. I mean, Levine is a solid player. Mm-hmm. And granted, he flirts with being an all-star level. But for consistency, it just, right. you know, for me doing the eye test, I just don't see it in him. 
Uh, looking at the line, it is currently t- Toronto by five points with the over-under being 214 and a half. I'm going to say take the under. Uh, and then uh, the injury report for both teams, uh, nobody's listed. So both teams will be ready to rock and roll come game time. I would take Toronto with the favorite there. I, like yeah. I said, I like them a lot better. Yeah. Chicago, I think just they, they're they missing <laughs> something. And like I say, they're a solid team, but they're right. not enough to make a run. So. Right. I'm penciling in Toronto for this one. Okay. Next. Uh, next up, let's stick with the East, and you've got the seventh-seeded Miami Heat taking on the eighth-seeded uh, Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Miami finished with a record of 44-38, and 38, and then My- Atlanta finished right at 500 at 41-41. and 41. I will never doubt Jimmy Butler in a playoff series, let alone a one-game series. Facts. So I don't care if it's Trey Young channeling the ghost of Dominique Wilkins to come back in for Atlanta. <laughs> and Trey is a solid player. Like I will take my Knicks bias out of this, mm-hmm. but he's not beating Jimmy Butler in a single game. I'm sorry. Like no. this, this is too much pressure. This is something Jimmy Butler thrives on mm-hmm. and he can will that Miami team, no matter how inconsistent they've been. Right. He will literally put this game on his own back. Oh, he will. And it'll be him against Trey Young. And I'm sorry, Trey Young has not been the Trey Young of old. No. He's very streaky, especially when it gets to the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah. so that said, it's not to say he's not going to show up, but if you can neutralize him, you take down Atlanta. Like, that's that's the easiest game plan you can do. Right. Keep him double team and make somebody else beat you. Yeah, no, listen, this is going to be the only game on in town just because of the way the playoffs work. So Jimmy Butler thrives at moments like that where the, the eyes of the basketball world and the sporting world are on him. Mm. Also got to note, this game is in Miami. So that crowd, you know, they're they're familiar with playoffs. They're going to get real loud. I think it might rattle uh, Atlanta a little bit, but I, I don't doubt Jimmy Butler for anything. You know, I think he's going to be able to pull this off. Uh, currently, Miami favored by five points, and the over-under is 227. Yeah, I would definitely take Miami on this one. Uh-huh. So if we're doing the math right, that means Miami would move on to the seventh seed, and you'd have Atlanta versus Toronto. Yep. I mean, you got any feelings on this one, Pat? Uh, Atlanta versus Toronto, ugh, that's, a, that's a tough one just because they're such an evenly matched team. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Atlanta. Okay. Just because I, th- I think they slightly edge out Toronto when it comes to like a one-on-one scenario, like win or go home. I'll take Atlanta just for argument's sake here, but it's not going to matter. Whoever gets out of this is not getting past Milwaukee in the first round. Oh, hell no. So, I mean, we can just already eliminate that. Yeah. So let's take it to the west side. Uh, so the west side, you've got the New Orleans Pelicans in the ninth seed taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder at the 10th seed. Uh, New Orleans finishing with a record of 42-39, and 39, and then Oklahoma finishing with a record of 40-42. and 42. Man. I so want to go with the Pelicans here. I mean, I think I'm going to by default just because they've always had that big potential. But it depends if they can put it together. They're such a young team. It's still wide open for them. Mm -hmm. But But I feel against an Oklahoma City team that, let's face it, is not the Oklahoma City of old. They're still in a rebuilding phase. I think for them to be at this stage is a big win for them. Right. I just don't see him doing this. I just, I really don't. Uh, so look, there are a couple of notable injuries for this game. Uh, notice, notably, uh, Zion Williamson and Jose Alvarado of the New Orleans Pelicans both out. Mm. Uh, so they won't be playing in this game. So that'll definitely affect them a little bit. Uh, is listen, I agree with you though. I think New Orleans will be able to pull this out, although barely. You know, just because Oklahoma City 
honestly, it feels like they. I'm looking at their starting lineup, you know, and I've not heard of most of these guys. Now, admittedly, I don't watch every NBA game, and I'm not a diehard NBA guy, but like I know enough of the names that like I, I can get by. But like I'm looking at some of these guys, I'm like, who the hell? Like the starting five of Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City Thunder, Shy Gilgus Alexander, mm-hmm. Josh Giddy, uh, Lugens Dort, Jalen Williams, uh, and then. And then Jalen Williams, first one, J-A-L-E-N, uh, who's their point power forward, and then their center, Jalen Williams, J-A-Y-L-I-N, not the same guy. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm looking going, who the fuck are most of you guys? Yeah. You know, but then you look at New Orleans, who they've got C.J. McCollum, Trey Murphy the third, Brandon Ingram, and then uh, Jonas Valenciunas, along with Herbert Jones. Mm-hmm. I, I think just talent-wise, I'm going to give the a slight edge to the Pelicans. I'm with you there. I mean... <sighs> I just like I said, I think Mil or I'm sorry, Oklahoma City is on the cusp, mm-hmm. and I think they're a player or two away <laughs> from really making a run. Like Jarius uh, Alexander, there, right? Gilgorius, I'm sorry, uh, he is very solid, but is it enough to get you one game into the playoffs? I don't know, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, because I think if I'm going on talent level, I know New Orleans is a little better. Right. And I think it's going to be like a one-point game. I don't think it's going to be a, a pretty game at all. Right. But I think it's going to be one of those that it'll be what it's going to be. I don't expect much from either team moving forward, no. to be honest with you. No. But I'm going to take New Orleans in this one. Okay. Uh, and then, obviously, the other game we got to mention is the seventh-seeded Lakers taking on the eighth-seeded Minnesota Timberwolves. Lakers finished 43-39, and 39, limping into the playoffs. Uh, and then the Minnesota Timberwolves are finishing with a record of 41 and 40. So Minnesota has imploded before our eyes in the span of like 24 hours. Yeah. So, you know what? I have no faith in them. Like I said, Rudy Gobert is suspended and I couldn't remember who punched him because they have two people that are out for the game now. Because of the fight. This game is either going to be one of the wildest games you've ever seen, or it's going to be an absolute train wreck. Because let me just run through. You mentioned a little bit of it. Let me just mention the injury report. And now, mind you, this is as we record on you know uh, April 11th. So if I don't read a name here that gets listed a day later, hey, don't shoot the messenger. Yep. So the Minnesota Timberwolves, as you mentioned, Rudy Gobert, out. He's suspended. Jaden McDaniels, their power forward, also out. Yes, you know why he's out? Because he was the one, uh, or no, wasn't he? He's the one who punched the wall because he was so mad about the fight and losing. And he broke his hand. Yeah, he broke his hand. Yeah. Uh, Then you've got Jalen Knoll, their shooting guard, listed as doubtful. And Carl Anthony Towns, their center, also listed as doubtful. Yeah. Let's move over to the Lakers. Anthony Davis, doubtful. D'Angelo Russell, doubtful. LeBron James, doubtful. Now, I, I don't foresee LeBron missing this game because it's fucking LeBron James. Yeah. He'll play on one leg if he has to. But Davis? Well, shit, it depends on what this, the weather forecast looks like for that guy. And D'Angelo Russell? I'd also put him in the in the it's, it's somewhere in between the two. I don't foresee him missing the game, but it all ultimately depends on how his status is. I think the Lakers are going to roll. On Minnesota. Lakers currently favored by eight and a half. I see it being a double-digit win, to be honest with you. I think Minnesota has imploded. I think they're done here, and I think they're done in the next game, too. I honestly have not seen a team blow up this badly in front of the public eye right. in many, many years. Yeah. But the fact that you had Anderson say something to Gobert to cause him to throw a punch mm-hmm. at you on the sidelines. You had McDaniels 
who got so mad about that situation and losing. He punched the wall and broke his hand. And it got caught on camera. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I have no faith in this team no. whatsoever. I feel bad for the head coach because he could get fired because of this. Oh, yeah. He probably wants out. You know what? I wouldn't want blame him if he wants out after this because why put yourself through this drama? You have professional athletes who cannot control themselves and are now hurting your team because of their emotions. I mean, just looking at their death chart, their starting five is supposed to be Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. But if you've been paying attention, those last three names are all, or two of them are going to miss the game. Towns is doubtful. So that would leave you with Conley, Anthony Edwards, uh, Kyle Anderson at the at the shooting forward. He's their second string guy. If Towns isn't able to go, that leave you with Toreen Prince. And then Gobert's backup is Nathan Knight. Yeah. Yeah, give me LeBron against any one of those second string guys. Yeah, LeBron's taking this one. This is not even going to be funny. And then, you know what? New Orleans is taking the other game. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't even think we need to spend time on this. Like, Minnesota that can't get to the offseason quick enough. If their coach gets fired, you know, that might be a blessing in disguise, to be honest with you. Given the circumstances, yeah. Yeah, they need somebody to come in there and just, <laughs> honest to God, clean house. Because yeah. uh, you could say, well, you know, it's a bad week. It's a bad week, but if you don't have some kind of discipline and some system and culture set up, to handle this kind of adversity, mm-hmm. because if your if your own teammates are fighting each other on the sidelines, right, that speaks volumes. And if, you, if this was in the preseason or even in training camp, sure, I could understand this. I mean, we saw this a couple of years ago between the Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. in, on a couple of occasions, you know. But this was the la- literally the last game of the regular season. Yeah, you guys have been together since you know the su- last summer. Mm-hmm. You know, playing together and going to meals together and on the plane together and in the hotel room together and whatever else, you know, you do in your off time together. Like, this shit shouldn't happen. No, it shouldn't. So they have to figure this out in the off season because that's exactly where they're going. They're going to be two and out. Easy. <coughs> so that being said now, we're finally at the rounds of the eight teams left. Yep. So, Pat, let's break down the matchups and let's talk about a series if you got a feeling on it. Sure. Uh, so we'll start off in the East. You've got the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the eighth seed, which I think we both agreed would be the Atlanta uh, Atlanta Hawks, which in this instance, uh, or, or no, the, well, doesn't matter who it ends up being. doesn't matter. This is Giannis all day. This, this, this is Giannis all day. They're going to steamroll uh, whoever ends up making it to this series. Although I could see whoever is facing them maybe sneaking out a game. They'll get a game in. No, yeah. no question about it. Like, I think Milwaukee is very, very solid. Right. And obviously being number one seed, yeah, they're definitely on fire right now. But I think that whoever sneaks in that eighth seed will sneak at least one game in. Right. They're not going to push it to a you know a game five or game seven you know of the mm-hmm. first round. Like I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Giannis and and Middleton and the rest of that lineup is is good enough that yeah. they'll, they'll get the job done yeah. early. So yeah, they will. not worried about them at all. Uh, then you've got the number two seeded Boston Celtics taking on whoever ends up being the seventh seed. So the Heat. We, uh, we say the Heat, which that could get interesting. I mean, I'm looking at the game preview uh, for the Celtics game, which is supposed to take place on the 15th at 3.30. Uh, and listed injury uh, injury report for the Boston Celtics. They're a little banged up. Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams III, and Jalen Brown all listed as doubtful. So this one, depending on the injuries and the status of some of those guys, <laughs> could get interesting. Well, the thing about this is if Boston has lingering injuries. Yes. So it all depends. 
on when they can play at a high level. If Tatum and and um, Jalen Brown are good, right? More or less, if Tatum is good, right? They're fine. Brown can definitely take some pressure off Tatum, but as we saw last year in the playoffs, I don't want to say Tatum got exposed a little bit, but I think that you know how to defeat Boston mm-hmm. if you can make him frustrated and make his other teammates beat you. Because let's face it, this didn't happen last year. Right. So that said, I do like Boston if they're healthy to get out of here, but I wouldn't doubt Miami sneaking this one. I, I could see it. I legit, because it's it's Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah, playoff Jimmy. Playoff Jimmy is probably the closest <laughs> we'll get to playoff Michael Jordan in in this era of right, basketball. Right. The closest. Just saying, I'm not saying he's going to do exactly the same thing, but Jimmy Butler is that player that will just literally leave it all on the field, all on the court, all in mm-hmm. the building. Yeah, He's going to go that extra mile. It could be enough to sneak out a round, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But if Boston is healthy, and especially if Tatum is healthy, Boston in, in six on this one. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then you've got the number three-seeded Philadelphia 76ers taking on the sixth-seeded Brooklyn Nets. Well, let's talk about this one, shall we? Uh, also, we got to give a shout out to the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, for making it there with Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikael Bridges, uh, Cameron Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nick Claxton. When I think everybody wrote them off once the trades for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving went through. Also, shout out to Mikael Bridges. Dude played every game this year. Yeah, and was the first player since I want to say it was 2014, 2015 to do so. Bridges is their superstar of the future, legitimately. He can ball. Oh yeah. Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie is, he's all right. Yeah. I, I'm not super impressed with him to say, like, okay, you have a power two there. But I think he does complement Bridges very well. It's a fundamentally sound team. Is it going to win you a championship? Probably not. Probably not. They're fundamentally sound. They're very fundamentally sound. If you're a Brooklyn fan, <laughs> you now have something to be excited about. Right. Because this team should have been written off for dead, and they gelled together, and they play solid basketball. I will give them that. Do I think it's enough to beat Philadelphia? No. No, no it's not. I think Philly is going to take this. I think they're, Philly is going to get pushed a little bit. But if Joel Embiid kicks it into high gear, and he usually does, he's going to be a force that can at least get past this series. James Harden is the big question. Because mm-hmm. how much does he really have left to do? Here? Right. Like, that's the one issue you have. But... I think Embiid can take the series over, and I think he can prove why he's in that MVP conversation each year. Mm-hmm. But it all really depends on Embiid at yeah. the at the end of the day. Like yeah. it's, if he shows up and wills this, Brooklyn's going to be out. But Brooklyn, celebrate the fact that you have a team of the future. Yeah. So there's much to be excited <laughs> about for you guys moving forward. Yeah, uh, looking at the spread, it's currently my uh, Philadelphia by eight points over under two sixteen. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys all listed as doubtful, five between each team. Uh, Royce O'Neal, Seth Curry, Dorian Finney-Smith, Cameron Johnson, and Edmund Summer, Sumner from the Brooklyn Nets, all doubtful. And then from Philadelphia, Georges Niang, uh, P.J. Tucker, DeAnthony Melton, Daniel House Jr., and then Dwayne Dedman uh, from Philadelphia, all listed as doubtful. Mm. Although, let's face it, who the fuck isn't doubtful at this point in the season? Everybody's hurt. Everybody's banged up. It just depends on who gets on that court and balls out. And that's why I say, like, in this one, I like Philly, though. I yeah. really do like Philly. No, I do, too. And we get to the most important game or conference matchup of the entire NBA playoffs. 
The fourth-seeded Cleveland Cavaliers finishing with a record of 51-31, and taking on the number five-seeded New York Knicks, who finished with a record of 47-35. and Well, told you we were going to get here. I told everybody. You just didn't know how. It, it happened eventually. Yep. But this team came together under the all-star performance of one Jalen Brunson, the best free agency pickup that we have done in quite some time. And he has made this happen with Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett has proved to be okay. Right. And I know the narrative, if you listen to any other sports talk show, is, well, the Knicks didn't get Donovan Mitchell. If they don't win this series, it's a failure. I beg to differ. I beg to differ completely. Sure, you didn't get Donovan Mitchell. But remember, the asking price was through the roof for him. Mm-hmm. And I believe at one point it was Barrett, Quigley, Toppin, and another player and, yeah. and four draft picks. It was something to that effect. The front office held firm, which is very unheard of, to be honest with you. But they are building something here in New York that we can all get behind as Knicks fans. And the fact that we got here... We finally have a guard that can stabilize and is a superstar in his own right. This made a lot of sense to stay the course. Mm -hmm. Cleveland, on the other hand, went all in to win now. And listen, I'm not faulting them. I don't have anything bad to say about Cleveland. But I think there's more pressure on Donovan Mitchell than there is the Knicks, to be honest with you. Right. And sure, Mitchell has played well in the regular season, but guess what? He did that in Utah, too. Yeah, uh, averaged 28.3 points per game during the regular season. Right. But you remember any deep runs in the playoffs from Utah? Oh, uh, there was. Didn't they have one a couple of years ago against Oklahoma City that, like, they went to seven games or something like that? Maybe I'm thinking of some other team, but there might have been one. Right. So you have to wonder how far he'll go with this team in the East. Now, I honestly think this. And this is not my fandom talking. This is my, I'm sitting back and looking at the big picture. This is going seven games. Oh, easily. This is not going to be a one and done. This is not going to be a sweep unless an injury happens. This is legitimately going to be them going at it each step of the way. It's going to be hard-nosed basketball. It's not going to be for the faint of heart. This is going to be a true test for both teams. I am going to say outright, I think the Knicks win. And I'm not saying this as a as a fan talking. I'm saying this as I think that they have a better overall team. Mm-hmm. And I think if Jalen Brunson is healthy and running that offense, they're going to win. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest X factor, and I, I hope this doesn't happen, is Julius Randle thinks he has to take over a game. Because we saw what happened the last time. Yeah. And listen, I, I I understand he's trying to to become a legend in, in the garden. Listen, play your position. Let Brunson facilitate you. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. Don't try taking this over because Randall does get careless. Sure. And I just hope he doesn't feel like he has to put this on his shoulders because Remember the last time is like, yeah, we had to do this against Atlanta and how that turned out. Yeah. 
So that's why I'm saying let Brunson do what he does best. Josh Hart, that's been the big pickup of this, you know, during the season. The Knicks are ready to win now. This is going to be a very, very highly contested series, but I love the Knicks in this one. Yeah, no, this is definitely going seven games. Uh, so the spread for game one is currently Cleveland by six. Over-unders 214.5, and then some of the injuries for both teams. Uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. and uh, Julius Randle both listed as doubtful for the Knicks. Uh, they've also got Isaiah Roby listed as questionable. And then for the Cleveland Cavaliers, all of these gentlemen are listed as uh, doubtful. Uh, Isaac Okoro, Dylan Windler, Darius Garland, Chris uh, Laver, and then Donovan Mitchell. Although, let's face it, Donovan Mitchell ain't going to miss this game for a fucking... Anything. Right, he'll be there. Uh, but no, I think... And, and I, I don't have a horse in this race. This is I, true. This I, is true. Pad does not have a team no, here. No, I don't, I don't have a team here. I like the Knicks, and I think it's because... My man. I think it's because you look at Cleveland, and I mean, I'm just looking at their depth chart. There's a lot of doubtfuls and a couple of outs in that team, which Ricky Rubio might be your starting point guard for this game. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. You know, but... And, and you look at the Knicks, yeah, not so many doubtfuls, not, no doubtfuls, and, you know, not too much going on there. You know, but I think the team gels better when they're on point. Now, are they going to sweep the Cavaliers? No. This is, like I said, this is going to go seven games. But I think the Knicks just gel better together and they play better as a unit. It's not so. The thing, and maybe this is just because of where we are in the country. We don't hear a lot of Cleveland Cavaliers news and we don't really hear them talked about a lot Mm -hmm. on, on the highlight shows outside of when Donovan Mitchell goes off for fucking 150 points a game, you know, or whatever the hell it is. You know, but it just seems to me like so much of that team is focused around get Donovan the ball, let Donovan shoot, let him score. Yeah. You know, if you shut down Donovan Mitchell, well, you got to rely on any of those other four on the court at the, at the time to try and beat you. And, I, and honestly, if I take Donovan Mitchell out of the equation and I'm putting up the their four against, you know, the four of the Knicks, I like the Knicks. I agree. Like I say, it's not to say this is going to be a walk in the park. No, God, no, no, this is going to go seven. <clears throat> and I can see Cleveland winning this, Like to be honest with you. It just depends on how healthy Brunson is and if Randall can stay out of his own way. Yeah. Legitimately. If that can happen, they will focus in on slowing Mitchell down. I didn't say shut him down. Slow him down. And then you got to have Mobley or Garland step up for Cleveland and beat you. I don't know. I honestly don't know if they can do it. Right. I, so that's why I say I'm going to take the Knicks with this one. And then, I mean, we got Milwaukee against the Knicks, if we're going by this. I mean, right. as much as I like to say Cinderella is going to keep spinning. No, that clock's hitting midnight. Yeah, I think Milwaukee is just too tough right now. Yeah. The Knicks will push them. They'll sneak a couple games in there, but mm-hmm. I think Giannis is going to be too much. Yeah. And on the flip side, you got Philly and Boston. Boston. It's old school. Man, I'm going to take Philly in the upset. Okay. I, like, I shouldn't because I – Tatum, I think, could do it. But then again, we don't know. No, we don't. Just, I, I think Boston's just going to be too much for Philly. Yeah. I mean, I could I could see that happening, too. It's just, But my thing is, if he's hurt and it's lingering, sure, that's the, that's the only way I could see Philly sure. taking this advantage of. And as far as we know, Philly's not hurt. So not to any serious degree in comparison to Boston. Right, so. right. But that said, Pat, are either of those teams beating Milwaukee? No, I, I think it's it's unless something freakish happens, and I don't want to see something freakish happen during any of these games, I think this is Milwaukee's conference to lose. You know, Boston could come close, but I think when push comes to shove, 
you know, I think it'll end up being Milwaukee at the end of the day. Philly could give them a run, but I think it wouldn't necessarily be a sweep, but it, it'd certainly be as close to a sweep as you could get against Philly. Yeah. And then anybody else, it'd be a sweep. I agree. You, you know, nothing against the Cavaliers or the Knicks or, or Brooklyn, Toronto, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta, but anybody not named the Philadelphia 76ers or the Boston Celtics, you're getting swept by Milwaukee. I agree. I think Giannis is going to be too much. Like, honestly, I think this team is built to win now. Yeah. The Philly or Boston, it doesn't really matter. Like, whichever one gets there, they're going to push them to six. Easily. But I think Milwaukee has been here before. They feel very comfortable in the spotlight. The Celtics are coming in pretty banged up. I mean, that's the big narrative to follow with them. Can they overcome these injuries? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, but it just depends. We can say it right now watching, but if they get on the court and you see them struggle. Right. And this is the playoffs. This is when teams focus in. They really try making that point to get this. That's the where you'll see a team like Milwaukee step up and take that. Right. So it'll be very interesting to watch. Before we get to the Western Conference, why don't we sneak a quick break in? Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. What is your thoughts about the NBA playoffs? We gave you the Eastern Conference. We're going to come back with the Western Conference. We want to know who you're picking to get there and why. So let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, and welcome to The Capsule Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can also check out our website, www.thecaptionlife.com, to find out where you can listen to us, a list of all of our episodes, and where you can find us on social media under the user name at caption life you'll get a new episode from us every week so hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out coming back for another segment on this edition of the odph podcast and we're still talking basketball hell yeah and last segment we talked the eastern conference for the nba playoffs now we're going to go to the western conference so pad let's break down the setups yeah so obviously the first match we're going to talk about is the number one seeded denver nuggets finished with a record of 53 and 29 taking on whoever ends up being the eighth seed which, let's face it, doesn't matter who they're facing, they're going to smoke the shit out of them. Yeah, I I always hate giving, you know, unfortunately, the benefit of the doubt to the number one seed automatically. But but let's face it. It's it's a one versus eight. Yeah, if the Lakers somehow were going to go sneak in there because of reasons, right. I would have said, you know what, I don't doubt the Lakers. Right. But you're going to tell me out of Minnesota, who is imploded. Yeah. OKC, who's not ready for prime time yet. Yeah. And then the walking wounded, known as the New Orleans Pelicans, because yeah. their all-stars are all hurt. Yep. Who is going to step up and face uh, Jokic? Yeah, I'll say the, two, the two-time MVP. Like, good fucking luck. Yes, he's listed as doubtful on the injury report, but he's still going to fucking play. Uh, so, so there is obviously no line for this game since, hey, we don't know who they're playing yet. Uh, but the Denver Nuggets also have Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Jamal Murray, and then Michael Porter Jr. all listed as doubtful. I'm willing to bet most of those guys are going to end up playing, though. And I'll say this, too. Murray, remember, he hasn't played in a couple seasons. True. Because, you know, he, t- he had that, what, real or, uh, the ACL, I think. Yes. So he's he hasn't played in the postseasons. This is time for him to shine. Could be. And if he can compliment Jokic. Could be. Like, that is... <laughs> That's the one thing I think that hurts Denver is they're really relying so much on Nikolai Jokic. Mm-hmm. It, 
I don't want to say it makes him one-dimensional, but I mean, let's be honest. It's is almost like the same setup as Dallas a little bit. Yeah. That you have one superstar player, you have some yeah. other complementary players, but who can really take that pressure off? That's the big X factor with this. But I think out of the three teams that they could be facing in the first round, Denver's going to absolutely run away with this yeah. one. I don't think it's close. That's going to be a sweep. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got the two-seeded Memphis Grizzlies who finished with a record of 51-31 and 31, taking on who I think we both of us took, the L.A. Lakers, uh, in the seventh seed. Boy, I don't know about this one. You have in one corner the most brash team in the NBA. Putting it mildly. Putting it mildly. John Morant leading the Memphis Grizzlies, who I, I got to say this. I do love the bravado. I, yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I do. But at the same time, I wish that they would realize what they're doing because you have painted a big bullseye on all of your backs. Mm-hmm. And don't tell me that LeBron is not sitting there and chomping at the bit to play you in that first round. Oh, he is. And let's not forget about Dylan Brooks, who might be the most polarizing player in the NBA right now. Certainly in the conversation. He is not making friends with a lot of people. It's a short list. Right. So going into this, honestly, Pat... Who do you got? Because I, I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm split right now. I mean, as, as shocking as this might be, I'm going to go with Memphis. You know, okay. Listen, it's nothing against LeBron. It's nothing against any of those guys. There's just way too much tread on the tires for, for LeBron. I, I think the days of LeBron making a deep run in the playoffs are behind us. I'm not saying it won't happen. You know, listen, weirder shit's happened in the, in the NBA, and especially the playoffs over the years. I think just you got Memphis, who's a younger team. They're hungry. They want to prove themselves in what better way than to knock out the greatest of this generation of players mm. than in the opening round of the playoffs. You know, especially especially with all the nonsense that's gone on off the court with the Memphis Grizzlies and all the headlines and all the stories from sports media to regular media. You know, what better way to put that all behind you and go, hey, it's our time to make to make some noise. We just knocked out LeBron James. Yeah. Now, is it the same as knocking out LeBron, you know, five, ten years ago? No. But hey, still a feather in your cap. It's a big feather. And I say this I say this series also going at least six. Oh yeah, it's gonna go. It's it's not gonna be a sweep by any means. <laughs> the one thing you have in the Lakers is if LeBron can get on the court, he knows the situation and the gravity that comes with it. Right. He doesn't take this lightly. He will wield whatever he can get out of his team to go forward. The Grizzlies are going to either be exposed as pretenders or they're going to be legit contenders by the time this one's done. That being said, I'm going to go with the Lakers. Okay. Just because I think what's going to happen is those egos are going to get up like two games to none. And take the foot off the gas. I could see it. And they're not going to finish. That's the big problem. And I think if you let a team that is as seasoned in the playoffs like the Lakers hang around, 
They'll finish you. God help them if they get up three to one and three to nothing in that. Oh happens. my God! Yeah. Oh, and if Jesus. they can't close, Jesus, I would be so sick if I was a Grizzlies fan. If that was the case, LeBron's been there before. Yeah, that's why I say like you need to finish. Like you can't take the foot off the gas. You need to speed through the finish line. No, you you need the Bill Belichick. You know, to borrow from the NFL, you need the Bill Belichick method of run the goddamn score up until that clock hits zero. Yeah, they're going to need to do this. I just don't know if they can because I just think that their egos and being so brash, mm-hmm. like it's going to be their downfall. It's their right. strength and their weakness at the same time. Right. Like it's a, I know it sounds weird to say, but it's true though. This is, but this is where they're going to show if they're ready to take that next step. And now am I saying that's their next step to be no, sure, champion, I get you. championship contenders? No, but Hey, this is their chance to take that next step and say, Hey, we're not these kids anymore who are kind of wet behind the ears and green, you know, we're ready to go. Yeah. It's going to be a fun series, though, nevertheless. Yeah. I really am excited about this yeah. one. But there's one more in this first round of the Western Conference that I am ecstatic. Well, there, I know there's another one. Oh, yeah. But okay. there's one that I, I got to admit. I am super happy for the Sacramento Kings. Light the lamp. Oh, my God. Light the lamp, the Sacramento Queens. The fact that Sacramento is back. And you're talking to somebody that has watched the Sacramento Kings be Mike Bibby, Chris Weber. I'll say the lean years. Yeah. Like the battles they had with the Lakers. I am so excited that this team is back and doing big things. And unfortunately, they have the Golden State Warriors in the first round. Yeah. But there's no better story <coughs> in the NBA than the Sacramento Kings. No. It's not even close. I'll say, uh, coach of the year in the NBA, already locked up. Yeah. It's going to Sacramento. Mike Brown. We don't even need to vote. If they even, I'm sorry, if there's one sports writer that votes against Mike Brown, they should have their permission revoked. There's going to be at least one. There always is. Yeah, but you know. There always is. But it's like, have you seen what he has done with this team? The fact that Mariano Rivera got into the Baseball Hall of Fame on 100% votes is still fucking astounding. Like, you had Derek Jeter, who was equally beloved by the sports media, and even he didn't get 100%. There's going to be some person, and it's going to be like a local... It's not, And it's not going to be from Sacramento, obviously. It's going to be from some other uh, city that, that feels their guy should have gotten it more than somebody else. I know. I'm going to hate it. It's like, going to be, tell you this, it's going to be real easy to figure out who it is because whoever finishes in second place will have one first place vote and we'll figure out where it is because it'll be a writer from that head coach, that head coach's town. It better not be Tom Thibodeau. Like, I'm just going to say, I, I hope it's not a Nick. I don't, I don't think, I hope, it's I don't not, think the writers would do that. I hope it's not a Nick writer, like, to be honest with you. Because let's face it, the job that Mike Brown has done with his team and really, took everybody by storm with Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Like what they've done with this team. And there is a buzz in that city that hasn't been felt in quite some time. I think it's enough to get by the the Warriors. It could be. I know I'm speaking real crazy because it's Steph Curry. It's, uh, you know, Draymond. It's the Warriors. Right, but you also got to give the Kings credit because last season they finished in last place in the Pacific Division with a record of 30-52. and 52. Flash forward one year later, and they finished in first place with a record of 48-34. and 34. Yeah. It's a hell of a turnaround for one year. Oh, absolutely. That's why I say, like, they're literally playing with house money. They have nothing to lose. If they, if they can beat this first round, like, <coughs> it's okay because it's Golden State. But what if they win? 
You never know. Uh, currently, the spread is Sacramento by just one singular point, with the over-under being 238.5. I'd say take the over, personally. Yeah, I would, too. Um, and then in terms of injuries, just two gentlemen on the injury report. Ty Jerome from the Golden State Warriors listed as doubtful. Davian Mitchell from the Sacramento Kings also listed as doubtful. So nothing too crazy. I'm going to listen. It's nothing against Sacramento. It's a great story. It's awesome. But you're going up against, you know, the juggernauts of, of this generation of the NBA. You know, the guys who have been there, they've done it. They've won it three times, four times. I've lost count at this yeah. point. I've lost count at this point. <laughs> They're a dynasty. They, they could do this in their sleep. You know, I think Sacramento, that's not to say Golden State's going to sweep them. Sure. But Sacramento's going to give them a run. And I'm going to say this will go at least six. I can see it going it, six, It'll too. go six. Sacramento might have them on, a ro- on the ropes for a game or two, but ultimately Golden State will go, oh, right, we're Golden State. We got this. Just cue up the journey, man. Don't stop believing. It's going to happen. It's going to be something magical. Like I said, I'll take Sacramento on this one because I know we have one more series left. We do. But I will be very honest. I'm so bitter against the Los Angeles Clippers because every time, and you could go through the lineage of ODPH episodes, Every time we have picked them to go somewhere, they've dropped the ball. Yeah, you're not wrong. I have zero faith in them. And they're going up against a fourth seed that, in my eyes, I was shocked that they were a fourth seed. So, Pat, let's talk about it. Yeah, so obviously we're talking about the L.A. Clippers, who finished with a record of 44-38, and 38, taking on the Phoenix Suns, who finished with a record of 45-37. and 37. Uh, Currently, where the heck is it? There it is. Uh, Phoenix is favored by seven points for game one. Over-under is 227 points and 227 and a half points. Injuries, you've got Marcus Morris Sr. and Paul listed as doubtful for game one. Paul George listed as out. Uh, and then for the Phoenix Suns, TJ Warren, uh, Bismarck Biombo, uh, Kevin Durant, and Cameron Payne all listed as doubtful for the Phoenix Suns. Although I'll say this, Kevin Durant sure as shit ain't going to miss this game. No, Duran is going to want to make a statement. Phoenix is built to win now. Yeah. And don't let the seat fool you. They have Devin Booker. You have Chris Paul that is going to be always solid in the playoffs. You have Kevin Durant. They're a solid team. They're yeah. built to win now. Yeah, we got Russell Westbrook versus Kevin Durant. Part yeah. Whatever the hell it is. Oh, it's going to be dramatic. No question about it. Because I will say this. For Westbrook. He found a resurgence with the Clippers. He did. Because there's no pressure on him. Right. He's not required to be the leader of this team. That's Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And whatever you're going to get out of Kawhi now, I mean, it's up in the air. Right. Because Paul George is out. What are you going to do? I mean, defensively, the Clippers should be a monster. Should be is the key word. You know, because they got Kawhi Leonard, Nicholas Batum, uh, Avicii Zubak. You know, Paul George, if he was there, but unfortunately he's going to miss the game, so it looks like Eric Gordon is probably going to start in his place. And you got Russell Westbrook at the point. I mean, defensively, they should be a monster. But then on the other side, you've got the three-headed monster with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. Like you mentioned, oh, by the way, DeAndre Ayton's there too. Yeah. You know, so let's face it. Who the hell, in that triumvirate between Booker, Paul, and Durant, who the fuck do you double team? Exactly. Okay, okay you double team Durant, but that's going to leave potentially Devin Booker open. Okay, well, let's say you double team Devin Booker. Well, shit, then you got to deal with Kevin Durant possibly being open. And oh, by the way, I haven't mentioned Chris Paul, which, yeah, he's getting up there in age, but he's still good for some points tonight. He, he's still Chris Paul. He, he's going to facilitate that ball. Like, yeah. there's ways around this. And God forbid you leave DeAndre Ayton open down low. That's the thing. Phoenix has too many weapons. 
And I'm sorry, the Clippers should be the team to beat them because, you know, they're very hard-nosed defense. But let's be honest. They've choked every year in the playoffs since they had that resurgence. Maybe their new building will give them some luck. Maybe. I'm putting zero faith in them. I'm actually going to say sweep. <coughs> I'm going. I'm, I'm not going to say sweep. I'm going to say five games. I could Maybe five. Of I'm, I'm saying Phoenix will win. Clippers will sneak one out, maybe maybe a home game. You know, they'll sneak one out at the at the, at the Crypto.com Arena or whatever the fuck it's called these days. Yeah. They'll, they'll sneak one out, but it'll be Phoenix in five. I could definitely give them maybe five. But I, I think it's a sweep. That's just. Uh, but me, I'm just being bitter. Sure. Because every year we've taken the, I've taken the Clippers to do something. I put the faith in them, and they've choked. So that being said, looking at the standings, then it would be Phoenix and Denver. Who you got in that one? I'm gonna say Phoenix. Me too. I, again, I think it's nothing against Denver. They got a real solid team. They got the two-time MVP with with the Joker, you know, Jokic. But it's just that that three-headed Hydra. That is, you know, Booker, Paul, and, and Kevin Durant. When they're clicking, watch out. I agree for those reasons, too. I, I think, unfortunately, Jojic is not going to get there. MVP, maybe again. Who knows? But maybe his season, his story ends there. And then we were all split about the the game uh, who would be facing them there. Because right. I, I think by default, I have Sacramento versus the Lakers. Lakers. You got the Grizzlies versus the Warriors. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Out of those teams mentioned mm-hmm. with your picks, mm-hmm. who do you think is going to be facing Phoenix? I'm going to say out of the ones I mentioned, Golden State, just because they've been there. Yeah. They've been there. They, I think, didn't they face Memphis? I apologize if I'm wrong. I think they faced Memphis last year in, mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs, and they had a hell of a series. You know, I, I think it'll ultimately be Golden State, just for the reasons I mentioned earlier. They've been there before. They're battle-tested. They're experienced. There's not been much turnover between last year's crew and this year's crew. Yeah. You know, I, I think if it's going to be any one of those four teams you mentioned, it's it's going to be the Warriors. See, I think what's going to happen just because reasons, you're going to have the Lakers against the Warriors because reasons. Right. Even though that's not how I'm picking it. I'm picking, <clears throat> I'm picking differently. Right. But I think no matter what, I think that you're going to have – a star team, whether it's the Lakers mm-hmm. or the Warriors facing Phoenix, but Phoenix takes them by far. Phoenix is going to the finals. See, I think if if you believe in the whole script, you know, everything's rigged, nonsense. The allegedly. The allegedly, you know, if we're talking WWE, the booking. Yes. You know, of this. If, if I'm doing some fantasy booking here. If, if the NBA were to had, had a slew of scripts in front of them mm. and they had to pick one, the better story isn't LeBron versus Kevin Durant. And although, listen, that'd be a great matchup. Seven, be a great matchup. Seven, sure. seven games. I would absolutely love to see it. No, I think the better matchup is Golden State versus Phoenix. Because, correct me if I'm wrong. Hashtag ODPH Pod. Steve Kerr said that every time Golden, uh, not Golden State, Kevin Durant has te- the team he is on has gone to play in Golden State. He has yet to play in their arena yeah so they have yet to be able to give him a thank you video package for all the stuff he did in his admittedly brief tenure in golden state i think that's the storyline you've got the guy who is yet to play against his old hometown crowd or home team crowd Mm. in golden state 
going up against his new team. Yeah. That, to me, is the better story. And honestly, the ratings will be monster. Oh, it's going to be huge. But, like, I think at the end of the day, coming out of the Western <laughs> Conference, I think we're both agreeing it's Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you got the finals, Milwaukee and Phoenix. Who are you taking there? I'm going to say Phoenix. Again, offense is going to be at a premium with both of these teams. And I, I like uh, Phoenix's chances just because, as, don't get me wrong, uh, Giannis is great. They're great defensively, but I think ultimately it's going to come down to to a matchup in, of scoring. Mm, I agree with you too. I think the Phoenix is just too much firepower on that team. Now does Charles Barkley uh, get a complimentary ring? That's the question. He should sign a one day contract. And just come <laughs> on there for like if they go to Game Six or Game Seven. <laughs> come off the bench for like five minutes. Why not? No, but in all honesty, if, if, to wrap this up, I think Phoenix is just too tough, too much offense, barring any crazy injuries happening. I don't think Milwaukee can match up with them for a good stretch six, seven games. Right. Like, they'll hang with them early, but that team is just too athletic. Devin Booker is going to have a breakout series. Probably, Because I think all eyes are going to be on Durant versus Giannis. We've been here before. We know how that goes. But I think Booker, now as the emerging superstar and the leader of this team, and Kevin Durant doesn't feel as much pressure, I think is going to be the deciding factor. So I really like Phoenix in this one. But we'll have to wait to see when tip-off happens this week. In the meantime, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the NBA Finals? We gave you our predictions. We gave you who we think is walking away with the chip. But we want to know what you think. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds. Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 to Nerdy Podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod and check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we got to talk some UFC action. Hell yeah. Man, oh man, oh man. UFC 287 from Miami, Florida. Definitely was making some headlines. A solid night of fights. Yeah. So, Pad, let's just not waste any more time. Let's jump right into it. Let's break it down. Yeah, so this took place this past Saturday from the Casilla uh, Center. I believe that's the new name for the arena down there in Miami, formerly the American Airlines Center. That's why I always refer to yeah. it as. Uh, announced attendance of 19,032 folks for UFC 287. Uh, so we're going to start right off at the main event, or the main, yeah, the main card. Uh, and you initially, the first fight on the main card ended up being a catchweight fight between Christian Rodriguez, who defeated Raul Rosas Jr. via unanimous decision. 29-27, 29-28, and then 29-28. Uh, should note, this ended up being a catchweight fight because Christian Rodriguez weighed in at 137 pounds, which was one pound over the bantamweight non-title fight limit. Uh, the fight proceeded at catchweight, and he was fined 20% of his purse, which went to his opponent. 
Well, you know, it's kind of a little surprising. Rojas had a lot of hype behind him coming into this fight. I know that he's one of their marquee fighters to really start pushing. Right. It, it, which the UFC does from time to time. Like, when they really feel that they have a star on the making. And Rojas had definitely earned it for being so young and being so successful at the, at, at the stage. <laughs> but this one was really surprised. Rodriguez came in there. I think, well, obviously, knowing you miss weight, mm-hmm. that does something to your mentality. That, yeah. you know, you know you're going to be losing, so you might as well make sure you win. Go and then, for broke. Yeah, because obviously you're going to be losing some money regardless. Yeah. So you want to make sure it's the best situation for you. A solid win for him, and it'll be interesting to see how Rojas bounces back because once you have the first loss, it's a lot of adversity. Uh, Next up was a welterweight fight where Kevin Holland defeated Santiago uh, Ponzabibo via knockout punch uh, at three minutes and 13 seconds of the third round. Absolutely did not see this happening. Hell no. (laughs) Did not see this happening. Kevin Holland. What can you say about him, man? Uh, at the ripe young age of, oh, he's only 30. I, th- I figured he'd be older. Yeah, he he makes headlines no matter what he does. And him knocking out Santiago, I was I was shocked at, to be honest with you. I figured this might have been more of a a drawn-out. Sure, um, sure. I don't want to say lay and pray, but I think it had a little more grappling because that's what he's been trying to focus on because, mm-hmm. let's face it, his, his ground game, uh, he's been working on it. We'll just put it mildly. But I was kind of really surprised at the outcome for this. It's a solid win, solid knockout. I know that he got into it a little bit with Jorge Masvidal, yeah. um, you know, backstage and or one of the pressers. And, you know, it's it's always crazy when that happens because it's like, yeah. y- you know, there's certain fighters you should provoke like that and there's certain ones you should not. Yeah. Masvidal is not one that you want to do that with. It's not recommended. No, it's not. A uh, good bounce back win for Kevin Holland, though. Comes uh, got a win after losing his last two fights. Uh, for last one to Stephen Thompson via corner stoppage. Yeah, uh, that was in December of last year, and then lost to Hamzat Chimaev via Darst choke submission. That was back in September of last year. Yeah. So good bounce back. N- yeah, it's solid bounce back for him. Um, I'm not sure where he's going to wind up going after this one. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's somebody that will generate some headlines. So he'll get a very very solid fight regardless. Right. It just I don't know. The crystal ball is not telling me where he's going after this. Well, we'll see. Uh, next up was a bantamweight matchup where Rob Font defeated Adrian Yanez via TKO uh, at two minutes and fifty seven seconds of the first round. Font is solid. This is a great performance for him. And if he wants to make some noise in that bantamweight division, he's got to have more fights like this. Mm-hmm. That's the one argument I'll have with him. Like, he has that potential to really break through and really make a run, but he's got to look like he did in this fight. And if he doesn't pull it off, he gets, like, in his own head or whatever the case is. Right. He's not going to make that cross <laughs> to the next level. Right. Like I say, he's got to make that cross up. He's got to get up and really take his game to the next level. And this was a great showing, so I think there's stuff to build off with. I, like I say, I'm going to see he's, he's in the number one contendership talk. Um, well, it didn't do anything for his ranking, which matter tons. Yeah. Uh, because looking at UFC.com slash rankings in the bantamweight division, Rob Font still in sixth place uh, as he was previously. There's no upwards or downwards movement. Yeah, I mean, and like I say, it's nothing against him as a fighter. I do like him as a fighter. I just need to see something more. Right. Like, Because let's face it, as much as we hate saying it, you have to have the total package in the UFC to get those big fights. Like you can have amazing ability and zero charisma and you can still get there. But if you have that package of both, right, you'll get some big fights going your way because people want to tune in and see you. Font is just like, he's solid, but I just think that he just, he, he needs to take it to another place. I don't know how, I don't know why, you know, or where, but he just needs to go. That's the only reason right. he, for me is it's a why, like why yeah. wait, get yeah. going. 
Uh, and then next up was your co-main event of the evening in a welterweight division where Gilbert Burns defeated Jorge Masvidal via unanimous decision, 30-27, 30-27, and 29-28. Well, an end of an era because Masvidal retired after this fight. Yeah. And I don't blame him. There's one thing to be said about Masvidal is he achieved so much in a in relatively a short amount of time in the UFC. Yeah. Like, we had always seen him wrestle or fight, I should say, in other federations. And then when he came to UFC, he snuck in and really was low-key under the radar. And then after the Ben Askren knockout, <laughs> he exploded into pop culture. Yeah. And he became synonymous with the BMF title. Yeah. Even though I would love to see that get ran back at some time because when it gets stopped for, you know, a cut, uh, is it really holding up to the standards of said title? Right. That's not on him, though. That's 1,000% not on him. That's on the uh, Athletic Commission. But in this fight, Masvidal has gone to get a title shot here and there, uh, obviously getting knocked out by Usman. He... I wasn't say I wasn't sure exactly what we're going to get out of him, mm-hmm. you know, see him come back because Masvidal has made a very very successful future for himself. Yeah, and it just depends on how much heart he had into this. Right. Well, and Masvidal is thirty eight years old, turns thirty nine in November, and and you know what? Good for him to retire when he's ready. You know, I might also be reading the writing on the wall because this was his fourth loss in a row. Mm-hmm. Lost to Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, and then Kamaru Usman twice. Which I did some looking. Uh, currently, your lineal BMF title holder is Leon Edwards, uh, because Masvidal lost to Kamar Usman, who then lost to Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards still has not lost since he beat Kamar Usman. Mm. Uh, so currently, your BMF lineal title holder is Leon Edwards. Yeah, do with that what you will. Uh, but no, I mean, good for good for uh, Masvidal. Heck of a career, and I always prefer to see guys go out. At this point, rather than the, okay, you should have retired five years ago. Same. I completely agree with you. He's going on on his own terms. Because I think he knew if he didn't beat Burns, he was never getting another title shot. Nope. And it's nothing else. It's just, we always say tread on the tires. Father time. Masvidal has been fighting for years. And like I say, a lot of people might have just got familiar with him because of the Ben Askren knockout. He's been around. And he's been... Very successful no matter where he's gone. Right. So to see him now step away, I think it's a great move because he's still going to be in the public eye. Don't don't get oh god yeah you know don't get that twisted. He'll still be around. I could see him being an ambassador to UFC moving forward. Sure. You know sure. doing something there. I you know or wherever he wants to go with his future because he it's going to be wide open where he wants to go. He is that charismatic. He can definitely connect with fans. Like he literally is one of those fighters that you tune in to watch because he's somebody that's just will go in there and scrap. Mm-hmm. Like I've never once seen a boring Masvidal fight. Not to my, yeah. not to my memory. Not that I can remember. No, no, I mean, I know that there's been a couple of times he was outclassed a little bit by like, sure. For example, Usman the first time around. Sure. That was probably one, but that was not his situation. It's just <laughs> a matter of when you're fighting somebody that's that on a different level. Right. You're going to struggle. Yeah. And then that was one situation that happened there. Take nothing away though for Gilbert Burns. I love seeing him, you know, come in here and do what he needed to do because obviously he wants to get back in that title contendership. Uh, is this enough to get him number one contender status or is this enough to get him a title shot, you think, Pat? Uh, well, clearly, according to the rankings, which matter loads, yeah, uh, still ranked number five. So he's still behind Bilal Muhammad, Hamzat Shemaev, Colby Covington, and Kamar Usman. 
so I'd say based on the fact, and this isn't, oh, they haven't updated the rankings. No, I'm showing Ken, like, the rankings have updated. There are gentlemen who have moved up and who have moved, yeah. down, moved down. So clearly this wasn't enough to move him. So I'd say he needs maybe at least one more fight, and then you can talk number one contender. See, I would have hoped he got the title shot after here, but the UFC powers that be have this love affair with Colby Covington. And we talk about people that are charismatic. Colby <laughs> is charismatic for a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons. And, and, Go to his Wikipedia page if you want to find out. Yeah, we don't we don't say it as the uh, proverbial ODPH reasons. reasons. No, no, there's reasons Colby is uh, noteworthy in the UFC. Oh yeah. So the but for whatever reason the powers that be want to give him a title shot. They're insistent about doing this. I don't think they should. I think they should give this to Burns because I thought whoever came out of this should have got the shot. They didn't want to do it. Okay. Well. I think the only thing you can do now that makes the most sense to me is him and uh, Muhammad. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the only fight you can do that makes sense because if you're not going to give him the title shot, he's not going to fight Chimaev. That's not going to happen. And you know that Muhammad has been sitting there waiting for something. Mm-hmm. Just have these two go at it. Whichever one wins, you slide them into that title shot after Covington. That's the easiest no-brainer to do because I'm sorry, Chimaev, <coughs> you don't know what he's going to do, right? Chimaev will try fighting anybody, any place, anywhere. Like he's, he's the next generation of Cerrone, so to speak, except he misses weight yeah. as he did. And unfortunately threw a curveball into a lot of things. So, and granted it was one time, so I shouldn't be that critical, but you know, that really threw 170 into a, a tailspin when you're paid to, to make weight and do the fight. There's no excuse. Yeah. And yeah, we've been very critical about it. When that's part of your job requirement, you got to make weight. So that being said, I, Burns and Muhammad, I, I think this is going to be a great matchup. You want to talk about styles. You want to talk technical prowess. This is going to be a fun fight for fans like Mike from the Multiverse of Badness, myself, people that really like to see the technique. And it might not be the sexiest fight on paper, but it's going to be the, the best one to do. And mm-hmm. you know what? I can't wait to see it whenever they make that happen because that's the only fight I can see coming out of this. But there's still one more fight to talk about, Pad. Yeah, so that was the main event uh, for the middleweight uh, UFC championship where you had Israel Adesanya defeat Alex Pereira via knockout at 4 minutes and 21 seconds to become your new uh, UFC middleweight champion. I will give credit to Rich from 3FN because he had the same sentiment I did. Yeah. Adesanya, hook, line, and sinker, fooled Pereira. Mm. He did rope-a-dope. Okay. He lured him in, and Adesanya fought one of the best fights I think I've seen him fight. Well, they've fought each other fucking four times now. I hope he's learned something. Right, but I think what happened is he stopped fighting with so much emotion. Sure. And he fought like a champion. Sure. And what I mean by this is, sure, you have a rival that's knocked you out, defeated you. Three other times. Yes. And in kickboxing, you know, complete knockout to where... Pariah's son uh, decided to mock Adesanya. Yeah. So that will linger with somebody for quite some time. And oh, obviously, yeah. Adesanya had Pariah beat in their first fight in the UFC. And just Adesanya took the eye off the ball. Now, he sat there. He fought like a champion. He lured him in. And like I say, it was pure boxing 101, the rope-a-dope style. Mm-hmm. 
Because you had Perea come in, and he went for a flurry because he was trying to do that. Right. And you just saw Adesanya sit back against that cage and just took it and waited and waited and waited and then baited and got him. Yep. With one of the most cleanest shots for a knockout that you're going to see in, in, in combat sport history. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. So where do we go from here other than Adesanya? Calling out receipts, gave one of the best post-fight speeches in recent memory. Albeit, though, a little bit of controversy, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so reading from an article on BleacherReport.com, uh, which came, ironically, literally as we were talking about this fight. Uh, the he- article written by Paul Kasabian. Headline reads, Alex Pereira calls out child Israel Adesanya for mocking his son after UFC 287 knockout. Article reads, quote, Alex Pereira is calling UFC... His- Alex Pereira called UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya a child for mocking his 12-year-old son after winning the title belt last Saturday. Quote, honestly, I wouldn't do the same, Pereira said in part. I can play with him like I've always played. I've teased him, but I don't know he's another child. I don't know what his feelings were. He was enduring this for seven years, and I saw his joy after after the knockout. That was his dream. That was his dream, and he made it. But we're comparing him with a child who was five years old at the time, right? Uh, Close quote. Pereira was referring to his knockout win over Adesanya in professional kickboxing in 2017 in Brazil. After that match, Pereira's son mocked a knockout next to the ring. Six years later, Adesanya defeated Pereira by second-round knockout at UFC 287 in Miami to win back the belt he lost against him via fifth-round TKO last November. He then pointed at Pereira's son and fell to the mat, hearkening back to to that moment, close quote. Well, (coughs) there is something to be said for both camps, Uh to be honest with you. I understand where Pereira is coming from because that's his son. And obviously... He doesn't want to see that happen to him. No. But we have seen in the past with fighters that some take things more seriously than others. Well, and and let's not forget, this is the fourth time in professional sports that these two gentlemen have faced each other. Mm -hmm. You know, twice in uh, professional kickboxing. Now, twice in uh, MMA. In MMA. And the the record for Adesanya is one in three. Yeah. You know, and and he was 0-3 going into this. So I can understand why he did it. It, it, You know, ultimately at the end of the day, does a grown adult, is it okay for them to mock a child? No, but I can understand it from the aspect of, and and I'm not condoning it, but I can understand it from the aspect of, you know, you finally got over that proverbial hump. Mm -hmm. You finally got over... And got past the person you honestly in the back of your mind weren't sure, am I going to be able to beat them or is this the one mountain I can't summit? Yeah. You know, so I understand, you know, in the heat of the moment why he did it. Do I condone it? No. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I understand that he, <clears throat> Adesanya is a different dude. Work in public, work in the public sector long enough and you'll see kids do a lot of dumb shit. Right. And I think, though, he, lived with that embarrassment. Sure. And he felt a certain way. But we've talked about this with other fighters. Like, for example, when we were talking about Connor trash-talking Habib. Yeah. Like, I know we're talking apples and oranges, but still, certain fighters you can't do this with. Mm-hmm. And Adesanya is a very, very petty fighter, in my opinion. Do we not forget what he did to Paulo Costa after, yeah. you know, their fight? So, yeah. I'm just saying, like, 
I I understand both sides of the argument. Like I say, I'm not condoning what right. Adesanya did, but you know, I understand. You know, you understand why it happened. Yeah, the the factors behind it, but still, it's but that but that's Adesanya. He's just a different dude like that. So mm-hmm. when they run it back eventually, because they're going to, yeah. Trust me, this will be a plot point for that as it moves forward. Mm-hmm. But I think in the meantime, there's a lot of talk now about Perea moving up to light heavyweight. I don't know about this. Uh, uh, I don't know. Because the, the thing is, Perea <laughs> is literally a one-trick pony. Yeah. He can kickbox with the best of you. Is he a true MMA artist? No, he has no wrestling. And if you go up to that light heavyweight division, there's some people that are just going to take him to the ground. And he's not going to get back up. Nine professional fights in his mixed martial arts career. Alex Pereira has seven wins, six of them by knockout, one by decision, zero by submission. Yeah. And it's not to say he's not learning, but at this stage of the game, it's tough to see what he's going to do. Could he go up? Yeah, sure. The light heavyweight needs uh, something up there. According to his Wikipedia page, he is a black belt in kickboxing because, duh. Yeah. Uh, and then also, according to his Wikipedia page, uh, he is a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So there's that. But is it going to be enough to translate to success at light heavyweight? Uh, no. I don't know. I don't know. Like I say, I know people were talking about that. I, th- I think there's certainly some fights you can have in that division, and there's some guys he could give a run for their money. But ultimately, I think when, once you start getting toward the, that upper echelon, those top five, ten guys in, in that light heavyweight division, then you might start running into some issues where it's great you can throw a punch, but hey, guess what? So can they. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's better for him to stay at 185 personally. But he's going to have to work his way back up to get a title shot. I mean, that's the problem with him. Yeah. And then now, where do you go without Asanya? That's the million-dollar question. Yeah. I know the name that is getting thrown around a lot is Chemayev. Hey. It's box office, but especially now, Adesanya is in a weird place. He's cleaned out his division. Yep. Like, legitimately, you take a look at who he's fought in, the, in their top 10 ranking. Who's enough sizzle to really put people in the seats to see him fight? Boy, I don't know. That's the problem you have. Because I know, like, Chemayev is. Talked about moving to the 185, the 170 is too much of a cut. And then, like, okay, that's fine. That's cool. I think that would be box office. Yeah. But, it, you know, like, but who else is there? Like, that's the problem that you have. Looking at those rankings. Yeah, so uh, currently as we record, you've got Israel Adesanya is the champion. Alex Pereira, the number one contender. Uh, Robert Whitaker, number two. Marvin Vittori, number three. Jared Canyonier is number four. Five is Paulo Costa. Six is Driscus Duplessis. Seven is uh, Sean Strickland. Eight is Derek Brunson. Nine is Roman uh, Dolades. Ten is Jack Hermanson. Eleven is Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, Twelve is, and I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize up front, uh, Nasudine Imavov. Twelve is, uh, or no, excuse me, thirteen is Brandon Brendan Allen. Fourteen is Andre Munez. And then fifteen is Chris Curtis. Yeah, so taking a look at that, I mean, Duplices, I understand, was trying to get into a title shot, but I... Uh, let's see, because I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth between the rankings and his fight record. Uh, Canyonier, he's beaten Whitaker. 
He's beaten. Uh, who else am I looking for here? Vittori. Uh, yep, he's beat Marvin to Vittori. So that's your, that's your top three: Pereira, Whitaker, Vittori, and and Canine, Paulo Costa. Oh, he beat Costa. Costa embarrassingly. So, so, there, so there's number five: Driscus Duplessis. Hello. Uh, well, there's there's one. He hadn't faced Driscus Duplessis yet. Yeah, but like this is the problem that you have, and that's why I think Chimaev can sneak in there to get this. Who else is there? Right. And unless you have somebody like a Gilbert Burns, like a Benil uh, Muhammad, sneak in. It's tough. Right. It's really tough. Or you have somebody drop down from 205 to 185. But literally, it depends on what they're walking around at. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know how that would go for certain fighters in that division. I think you could have somebody that... Needs a spark in 205 and drop down. I know Blahovitz was talking about it at 1.2 yep. and, and running that back. Ooh. Maybe, but then again. We know how that went the last time. You're right. So I don't know. Like I say, it's kind of wide open because <coughs> I think if he has somebody come up from 170, that would be the bigger play. That's why I think Chemayev's name is getting thrown around a lot. I think that would make a lot of sense box office-wise. Otherwise, you're looking at Depleases. Or, I mean... If you have somebody like an Anthony Smith, if he could drop down, that wouldn't be the worst fight ever. But I'm not too excited for it. But I think Adesanya has earned the right to take a step back and see what he wants to do. I think it all depends on what they want with Perea. If Perea goes up, I think they have a problem. If he stays down there, it, you can't make an immediate rematch because he got knocked down the first, you know early in the rounds. Right. So how does that play out? Like that's. That's the situation you have. Like, granted, it was a second-round knockout, but still, like, you can't justify a third shot at that unless you just go, like, we're waiting for somebody else to get here. Right. I don't know. There's so many storylines coming out of this. It's going to be a lot to talk about as we move forward. But, Pat, you said that wasn't the only UFC news this week? No. So, obviously, the other UFC news that took place, other than Hell of a Fight and everything we had mentioned prior, was we got some uh, new additions, uh, or, new, or a new addition, to the UFC uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, so, it was announced during the broadcast that the fight that took place at UFC 189, uh, which was in July of 2015, between Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald was going to be the next uh, fight to enter the quote-unquote fight ring of the UFC Hall of Fame. Mm. Uh, this is where Lawler defended the uh, title via uh, via fifth-round TKO and was a rematch of a fight prior uh, in November 2013, which Lawler also won uh, via split decision. One of the greatest fights in MMA history. Hell yeah. If you haven't seen that and you have a weak stomach, you're not going to be able to handle that fight. Uh, if, if you have ESPN+, Plus, you will be able to watch it. Yes. I recommend watching it because... If you ever want to know why Robbie Lawler is in that echelon with fans of a Donald Cerrone, of a Diaz brother, of somebody that comes in and literally is a warrior in the cage, this is the fight. He has a busted lip that's split in half, and he's smiling while this is going on. He made Rory McDonald, who was supposed to be the heir apparent to GSP, just look average. And literally broke his will. Like, you hear that said a lot. That's what happened in that fight. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest moments I think I've seen in the UFC is like, he just, Lawler's performance just broke him. It's insane. It's it, it's a must watch. I, I recommend it all the time. I love the fact that it's going in. And, um, you know, fight International Fight Week is going to be coming on sooner than yeah, later, man. Yeah. It's getting there. 
it's getting there, it's getting there, and it's getting close to talk about it. But in the meantime, though, we have to talk about UFC 287 with you, the ODPH Society. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the fights that went down this weekend? How do you think everybody's going to be going moving forward? And what's your favorite Jorge Masvidal moment? I mean, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about Ben Askren, but is there any other fights that really stick out that you want to talk about? Let's do it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. First of which is obviously the local minute. And we got to talk some Binghamton Rumble Ponies baseball because, hey, baseball season is officially kicked off. Yes, it is. Not a good start for the Rumble Ponies, however, because they had their opening series this weekend up in Portland playing the Sea Dogs where they lost all three games. Lost Thursday, 5-7, to seven, Friday, 2 to nothing, and then Saturday they got shellacked and lost by the final score of 13-3. to three. Mm. Going to hopefully turn it around this week because they start their first homestand of the regular season. It is a Subway Series matchup here in the AA level. Also, there's a Martian sighting here in Binghamton. Ooh. Yes, Yankees fans. If you are in the 607 area, Jason Dominguez, one of the Yankees' highly touted prospects, is at the double-A level. He is in the lineup for the Somerset Patriots who are taking on the Binghamton Rumble Ponies this week. Uh, so their games are two, uh, Tuesday, uh, April 11th, 6.35 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday the 12th at 6.05 p.m. Eastern, Thursday at 6.05 p.m. Eastern, Friday the 14th at 6.05 p.m. Eastern, and then Saturday at 1.05 p.m. Eastern, uh, and then Sunday also at 1.05 p.m. Eastern. Got to know a couple of special promotions they're doing. Uh, so Friday, April 14th, it is Pajama Jam, uh, <laughs> which the, the website of this reads, uh, it's it's a pajama party at Marabito Stadium. Come dressed in your favorite PJs and snuggle up for a ball game under the stars. The first 1,000 fans will get a cozy fleece blanket so you won't have to worry about being chilly. Uh, and so, that, like I said, that's for the first 1,000 fans. And then Saturday is the interesting one. The Saturday is a 105 game. That is the downtown doubleheader game. Uh, and it says, celebrate the best of Binghamton sports with our annual downtown doubleheader. Spend the afternoon at Marabito Stadium with our friends, uh, with our friends, the Binghamton Black Bears, in attendance. After the game, head downtown to check out the Binghamton Black Bears on ice as your Binghamton Rumble Ponies are honored with the ceremonial puck drop. Join both teams as they cheer each other on. Fans can purchase a package that includes one ticket to a Rumble Ponies game and one ticket to a Binghamton Black Bears game. Uh, and there is a number listed on the website if you so choose to do that. Also, got to note, it's going to be Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, and then Sunday is Kids Eat Free Sunday, and that is uh, come and enjoy Sundays at Marabito Stadium uh, with the entire family. On select Sundays throughout the season, kids 12 and under can come to Marabito Stadium and enjoy a delicious Nathan's hot dog and a 24-ounce fountain beverage for free. Uh, the only Sundays not included are uh, May 28th, June 18th, and November 3rd. Uh, so, and then also note, it is the 100th anniversary of Eastern League Baseball hey now. Uh, on Sunday. So that one is be part of Binghamton, ba- Binghamton baseball history. Join us as we honor and celebrate 100 years of baseball in Binghamton and mark the 100th anniversary of the Eastern League. Uh, so definitely some stuff to check out. So for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, bingrp.com. And like they mentioned, 
Binghamton Blackbears hockey still going on. Uh, looking at a couple of their games from this past week. Uh, they have had a game on Friday, April 7th, against the Delaware Thunder. <laughs> Holy fuck. They won by the final score of 11-1. to Oh, Jesus. Uh, and then Saturday, they also played the Delaware Thunder, where they won by the final score of 8-5. to uh, They got two games this upcoming week, one on the road, one at home. Friday, April 14th, 7.35 p.m. Eastern, they are on the road playing the Elmira Mammoth. And then Saturday, as part of the downtown doubleheader, at 7 o'clock Eastern, they're playing the Elmira Mammoth. And then it looks like after that, the playoffs are in full swing, which, of course, the Binghamton Black Bears have made it to the playoffs. Uh, who they're playing, don't know quite yet. Uh, that's, that's not determined yet, so we'll find out who that is. Uh, but their first game, it looks like, will be on the road on Friday, April 21st, 7 o'clock Eastern, against whoever they end up playing. Uh, they will have a home game, however, on Saturday, April 22nd at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern. So, playoff hockey in Binghamton. Mark your calendars, folks. Can't go wrong with that. Hell no. Uh, and then, got to mention some baseball because we are basically a week into the regular season. Yeah, we got to talk some real baseball. Got to talk some real baseball. Well, I would say minor league baseball is real. Don't get it twisted. But yeah. there's nothing like major league Big baseball. Boys. Uh, shout out to the Tampa Bay Rays. Fucking 10-0 to start the regular season. I will not shout them out. Wild to see. Yankees right in the mix there. Uh, tied with the Toronto Blue Jays for second place. Six, Both 6-4. Six and four. Uh, Round out the American League East. You got Boston at 5-5 five and five, along with Baltimore. Although Boston losing one. I forget who it is. Losing one of their uh, good hitters uh, to injury. Uh, had hit like four home runs and like 14 or 15 RBIs in the first like eight games. Something crazy like that. <clears throat> Got the Guardians playing well. They're seven and four, leading the American League Central. Texas Rangers leading the American League West with a record of six and four. Angels right there at five and five. Uh, that team from Houston, five and six. You know. Uh, and then over in the National League, you've got the Atlanta Braves leading the National League East record of seven and four. Mets are right there at six and five. And that you know, there's the rest of the National League East, which is yeah, not so good. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Milwaukee Brewers leading the American League Central seven and three. Pittsburgh Pirates right there six and four. Uh, speedy recovery to the player from Pittsburgh who got hurt. Yeah. Uh, the other day, fractured his fractured his wrist or whatever the hell it was. He's going to be out four months. Yikes. Also, hey. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers extending beer sales through the eighth inning because the games are getting over so quickly. And people say there's a bad thing about sped up baseball. Yeah. There's not. Uh, and then you got the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, surprisingly, leading the National League West with a record of 7-4. and four. Uh, As for the rule changes, I think they've been great. I mean, listen, the sped up games have been awesome. I forget who it was, but there was a game last week that finished in under two hours, mm. which is fucking beautiful. Uh, you know, the bigger bases are interesting. It's, it's cool to see some of the stole, the stolen bases getting done. I know, uh, what is it? Anthony Volpe of the Yankees. And then I want to say Glaber Torres mm. also have stolen like Glaber Torres is like in the top 10 and steals for the entire something crazy for yeah. all of baseball. It's wild to see. It's, it's, it's awesome to see too, you know, baseball back in full swing. It's, it's good to see it on TV again. It is true <coughs> because it gives a little deterrent yes. from all the playoff action going on because the NBA starts this week. Yes. But there's a bigger playoff picture that's happening starting the 17th. Yeah. And that is NHL playoffs. Oh, yeah. And the blue shirts are ready to go get that cup. As it stands right now, the Rangers should be facing those New Jersey Devils in the first round, if I did my math right. Uh, So looking at the conference standings for the Eastern Conference, Boston Bruins in first place with a record of 63-12 and and broke the NHL record for most wins in a season, if I remember correctly. Something crazy like that. 
Carolina Hurricanes at number two with a record of 50 and 21. Uh, New Jersey Devils right there at number three with a record of 50 and 22. Toronto Maple Leafs come in next with a record of 48 and 21. You've got the New York Rangers after that with a record of 47 and 21. And then you've got the Tampa Bay Lightning with the record of 45 and 29. Uh, also still of note, it doesn't look like they're eliminated quite yet, so it looks like there's still a couple playoff spots, uh, but in the hunt still. Florida Panthers, 42 and 31. New York Islanders, 41 and 31. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins, excuse me, record of 40 and 30. And then the Buffalo Sabres still involved, uh, 40 and 32. Yeah, I, I, Buffalo would need a lot of luck to get in, so I don't, yeah. I don't even count them. Florida is probably going to be the one to take that one in the East. Doesn't matter. They got to run through the Rangers. They're not going to win. Uh, and then for the Western Conference, you've got the Vegas Golden Knights in first place with a record of 49 and 22. Edmonton Oilers in second place with a record of 48 and 23. Colorado Avalanche, number three, record of 49 and 24. Dallas Stars uh, in fourth place with a record of 45 and 21. Minnesota Wild in fifth with a record of 46 and 24. LA Kings right behind them uh, with a record of 46 and 25. Then you've got the Seattle Kraken uh, making it to the playoffs for the very first time in franchise history with a record of 46 and 26. And then also last, a couple teams still left, uh, not eliminated yet. Winnipeg Jets uh, at 45 and 32. And then the National Predators also still in the hunt, uh, according to the standings on ESPN.com, with a record of 41 and 31. It's wild to me to think that all these expansion teams in the NHL lately have gone to the playoffs in their first years. Yeah. Vegas did it. Vegas made it to the fucking finals. Yeah. And now Seattle's locked and loaded in. I mean, I want to say there's so much parity in the leagues now because if you're really smart about the supplemental draft when you become an right. expansion team, like right. you can build a contender very easily. So it doesn't matter, though. Still going to lose to the Rangers when they got to face it. Yes, that is the one team that we all get very, very biased for. And when people go, well, you guys don't talk enough hockey. That's that reason why. Yeah. Because simple, I don't keep it I don't keep it very um, unbiased. Uh, yeah, we're, we're very biased. Yes, exactly. I, I am a belligerent Yankee or Well, Yankee fan, fan, yes, but also Rangers. Yeah, but I'm more calm as a, Rain, or as a Yankee fan. Okay. I'm, I'm more practical. Like I say, I, I watch games with fans from Boston. And I, I can get along. Hockey, I struggle with, to be honest with you. Like, I can talk with, like, certain of our other friends. Like, Matt from Hops Geeks. I mean, he's a big Boston Bruins fan. We've had great conversations about hockey. Right. But uh, some other people I can't talk to hockey with. I'm just saying, because it's not the Rangers. I don't care. I'm sorry. The Rangers are getting the cup this year. Get prepared. Mm-hmm. 607 Podcast is going to get very loud on social media. I think that might be the only thing that brings Rich out of his uh, hibernation from it social media. It could be that and if the Knicks do well. Yeah. this It's going to be a beautiful time for sports, though. But speaking of Rich, obviously you know him from 607 TWS and uh, two very successful episodes on the ODPH Podcast Network in the past couple weeks. So that said, you should be checking 607 TWS out on your favorite podcast provider no matter what. But let's close out this edition of the ODPH talking some wrestling. Yeah. A couple storylines going on right now. I think the biggest one that uh, we got to talk about is Logan Paul has re-upped. Multi-year deal. And is uh, a fan of Photoshop, too. Yes. he He's saying it's not, but a noted Photoshop and noted artist, uh, Boss Logic, who if you don't know, aren't familiar with his work, get familiar. It's fantastic work. Mm-hmm. Uh, made, chimed in last night on social media and was like, yeah, no, this, this is Photoshopped. Yeah. So... 
he they reused the photo, but he nevertheless he has re-upped with WWE. Yeah, say what you will about him. He's a sports entertainer to yeah. the umpteenth degree. Yeah, yeah. What he does in the ring and on his way to the ring, I mean, listen, he's a pro wrestler, so you just got to deal with it, folks. Like I say, you don't have to co-sign on everything he does, but you have to give him his respect. He's winning over the locker room. He's doing the right things. Big future for the WWE. Big signing for them. Yeah. I know that they did not get Jay White or FTR or Brian Cage as you know the dirt sheets were running with. The sky's falling. The sky's falling. Yeah, but they don't really need to worry about that too much right now. When you're making $3 billion in profits this year and you just came off the big Endeavor sale, things are all right for the WWE. Mm-hmm. And you can focus on the programming. Yeah. Which we'll uh, talk about. Yeah, the programming, you know, given all the issues they ran into last night for Monday Night Raw, you know, travel issues where a bunch of the talent wasn't able to make it there on time and a bunch of them showed up late. Reportedly, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn didn't show up until halfway through the third hour mm-hmm. of Monday Night Raw. It was still a fairly good show. I mean, you had uh, Rey Mysterio take on Finn Balor in the open, which was hell of a match. Mm-hmm. Pay-per-view worthy, I would say. Oh, a very good match. And and good to see Finn able to bounce back and have a match so quickly after needing, what was it, like 14 staples in his yep. head? You know, so the, if he would have taken a week or two off, I'd have been like, hey, I, I don't fault you. You just got 14 fucking staples in your head. Nah, took a week off, came back the next week, you know, and then you had a, a great tag match between uh, Alpha Academy and the Usos. Excellent like, match. Holy fuck, that match was awesome. You know, good uh, triple threat match between Piper Nevin, um, Mia Yim, and then... Um, EO Sky. EO Sky. Great match up there. And then main event was about what you'd expect it to be. Solo Sokoa took on uh, Sammy's... Uh, not Sammy Zane. Kevin Owens. You know, they, uh, Usos won, or Solo won. Then you had shenanigans. Big story, though, is Cody Rhodes came out and addressed the Brock Lesnar situation and said, Hey, Brock, I want to fight you at WrestleMania at uh, Backlash. I'm issuing a challenge, and so we'll find out next week if Brock decides to accept. But you mean Cody's not retiring? No. no. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll we'll kind of piggyback off the PSA set on 607TWS. Don't believe everything that you're seeing on the internet right now. Yeah. Be smart about it before commenting. <coughs> it does help a lot. Yes. Because there's a lot of stuff that people are just throwing out there because they're angry yeah. about how storylines are working and such yeah. and reading too much into things. Yeah. So. Just sit back and enjoy the show, folks, because that's the big thing. Because for me, my takeaway from Raw was the Trish Stratus heel turn. Yeah. On Becky Lynch, which I'm. I'm You called. Yeah. You you said she was going to turn heel. Yep. I said it was a matter of time. I just I figured it would, too, at some point. Just the way it went down was not the way I expected. I figured because you had the matchup, Lita got attacked uh, or fairly early in the show. Yeah, and early and, in the show she did. And it was, it was one of those situations where we didn't see who it was. Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, who were scheduled to have a match with Lita and Becky later in the night, found her. Were like, hey, it wasn't us. It wasn't us. We found her. You know, but. Trish stepped up to uh, defend the belts with Becky, which they said they announced it as, you know, you know, the women's WWE women's tag team champions, Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. Mm -hmm. That's how they introduced it. So I'm sitting at home going, oh, so this is how we're going to get a Trish Lita matches. They're going to lose the belts. Lita's going to come back next week and be all pissy that, you know, oh, you lost my belt and I wasn't even involved with. Mm -hmm. And it's going to lead to Trish versus Lita again, which I'm all right with that. Yeah. No, 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 no. They swerved me yet again. And mm-hmm. at the end of the match, Trish turned on Becky instead of Lita because Lita was not there. Yeah. Perfect storyline building. Yeah. 
It's going to be a big money match when Becky does face Trish. I don't know if it's going to be a backlash. I've heard some rumors that this could stretch out until SummerSlam. Yeah, it's 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 a big four pay-per-view or premium live event match. Right. So right. they can take their time with it. And what Triple H is booking. Yeah. Note how I said that. Triple H. No carrier pigeon delivering um, notes in from Vince McMahon's secret hideaway. Right. Yeah. You know, or, you know, telegraph message in. Sorry, folks. It's Triple H is running t- creative. So mm-hmm. just let's learn to deal with it. Um, what he's doing right now is like he's hitting the reset button. He wants yeah. to build some storylines up for the main roster. He's doing a solid job with it. It's just might not be what fans are used to. Right. But if they just give it a chance and let it go, it'll be fine. The only thing that I didn't get. And I'm and I'm not gonna sit here and get all pissy much. Just I'm gonna let it play out, see where it goes. But the only thing that just didn't make any sense to me was you had Bobby Lashley take on Bronson Reed mm-hmm. last night, which I was like, ooh, that's gonna be a good match. And it ended up being a double countout, which I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Let's see where that goes from here. Also, got to know Bronson Reed doing it while he was uh, feeling the effects of the flu. Yeah. So hey, kudos to that guy. I'm sure they're building up for a, a Falls Count Anywhere match or do Ooh. something like that because they want to say a ring can't contain both of those gigantic yeah, men. So. Yeah, probably. So, yeah, so I, I see that's where they're going to go with this. And, listen, I'm all here for it because we know Backlash is coming May 6th. Yeah. They got some time to do some building. Yeah. Things will be all right, folks. Just let it happen. And for even more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out 607 TWS on your favorite podcast player. That being said, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this week. So for the one only, Padawan J. <gasps> Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. That's so See, that's how you know baseball is really back. Pad puts a little emphasis on the final goodbye. Fuck them. Like I said, I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Punch. I'm gonna beat him to the punch Cause they can't bring me